You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. We're in a series at the moment called Radical, Crazy, Extreme and Beautiful Hospitality. Uh, Although the adjectives were just some fun, they do mean some different things. Radical, if you don't know, means at its roots. So when something is radical, it means it's more like extreme because it's at its roots. Extreme because the hospitality shown in through Jesus was extreme. Crazy because us as humans, as we see the hospitality in the Bible, it seems crazy. It's not. And beautiful because when, it, when it's in action, it's something to behold from the outside. As uh, Lee gave us the word last week around people just flock to this open table, inclusive, ever-growing, beautiful hospitality. This morning we're looking at a story, most of you, I reckon, as I look around the room, will know this as the prodigal son. Who's heard the prodigal son story? So we'll go through it in a bit more depth in a moment, but two sons, one runs away, returns home, the other son's not happy about that because of the amount of forgiveness and hospitality shown and uh, the father welcomes him home. And uh, if you want a really bad version of it, you just have to look at the original Marvel's Thor. <laughs> it's actually a prodigal son story. Loki being the older son and Thor being the younger son running away. So John at least knows and the girls at least know what I'm talking about. Other than that, lots of blank faces, so we'll continue. <laughs> but there's his last line that I want to start with this morning. In the passage, as the prodigal son returns home and the older son is unhappy about it because they've just killed the fattened calf, who I'm going to name Bessie, the cow this morning. They've just slaughtered that and that might have been his favourite cow. And the ridiculous hospitality shown, the older son gets a bit upset and the father says to this, and this is Jesus' words, the father being God, So God's saying this, God is revealing his heart so we can be sure this is going to be relevant to God's character. He says this right at the end. This is where I want to start at the end this morning. Luke 15, 11, 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You're always with me and everything I have is yours is yours, says the father to his child. If you know Jesus this morning, church, that's for you. That's what the father wants to say to you at the beginning this morning. See, the good news of the family table isn't just the community, isn't just close friends, isn't really even, isn't the morality of the Bible It isn't even just heaven. That's not the good news. That's part of it. It isn't just the good news. The good news of the family table, the good news of Jesus, of the Father, is that we have relationship back with the Creator, the purpose giver. Right now. And every day he's transforming us if we're willing a little bit more into his likeness. That's the good news. Everything the Father has is ours and he's with us. We talked about last week, Emmanuel, God is with us. That's where I want to start this morning. 
because this series is a challenging series. And when you pitch a vision as a church, there is a kind of reach and a stretch that we challenge each other with. But the reason I start with that this morning as we talk about reaching as a church, stretching, growing pains even, a bit painful as we stretch, is I want to make sure for a second you know that we're not saying do this so God will love us more. We're not saying if we do this as a church, we'll get a higher place in heaven or something ridiculous like that. Not at all. We've already, that's old news. Everything God has is already ours. If you know Jesus, if you don't, come and have a chat to me after. Because that's first step. That's old news. Jesus, we, Jesus has already forgiven us. We don't have to wear the shame of throwing rocks at as a 10-year-old, or whatever we've experienced, we're already allowed in. We're already allowed a seat. This is simply, as we look at Jesus' teaching, this is asking us to stretch this morning because of what we already have. Amen? Let's pray, and we're going to open up this passage and hear the challenge that Jesus gives us through this message this morning. Let's, let's pray. Father, I just, probably, Lord, because I've been at a more charismatic (laughs) event this weekend, I'm just reminded to ask for your presence in this place. I'm reminded to invite your spirit to stir amongst us. Thank you, Lord, and may we know your love as we walk in here. May we know your acceptance. May we know that everything you have has been poured out and is being poured out for us, Lord. And what you give us is the opportunity to transform, change, and grow to look more like your son. Challenge us this morning, but encourage us all at the same time. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, so this morning, often when you hear a parable that you've heard, it's worth reading it again but thinking about who's in the room right (laughs) who's actually hearing this who's this for Uh, because we can imagine ourselves in 2018 and think about our situation and forget who is jesus actually telling this to who's actually in the room and so well we know because the bible tells us who's in the room in luke 15 it says this now that it's just a little bit further miriam i think i have that slide One more. Sorry. It's Luke. Luke, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. One more. That's it. Sorry, that's my fault. So Luke 15, 11. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Again, there's eating. Again, with the eating. My goodness. Of all the things we talk about at church, I'm surprised that this is one of the first times I've heard a series on eating because Jesus just keeps being known about it. But actually not the point of why I bring this up. He's eating again. We see this. We see the sinners have gathered. So I'm going to give a side. Who wants to volunteer? Because I'm not telling which side is the sinners because I'll be in trouble for, is he trying to tell us something? Who wants to be the sinner's side? All right, John's nominated. Hey, Elder John, and John, 
and every other person named John has nominated for the sinners side. So the Johns, we have the Johns, the sinners, and then um, that makes you guys the Pharisees, which isn't much better. So, so there you go. So we've got the sinners and the Pharisees, and the sinners are there, and they can't believe how inclusive this God, this, this man is. He eats with them. And then you have the Pharisees, the church people, and they just can't stand it. They're muttering. It says how I love the colourful language. They're muttering under their breath. How, what are they doing here? And so this story is for both. This story has something for both. Jesus knows this. And of course, then there are the disciples. In amongst the sinners, in amongst the Pharisees, in both sides, there are people that are receptive to go, all right, I'm willing to hear what you have to say. And that's who he wants to reach through this story. So Luke 15, 11, 31. Let me read through it and give context to the audience. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. First of all, the Pharisees have already started muttering even louder because he's just said two uh, silly offensive things right there. He said, this younger son has gone, Father, give me your estate. In other words, estate, land, what is so precious to those people at the time? The land, the land God's given them. So he's just said, one, he said, I wish you were dead because I want my inheritance. And on top of that, he said, and give me the estate, sell it, or give me the money from the land that God has provided us with because I want to use it at the big smoke. <laughs> Go down the city and blow it. So already, and you have to understand, this is why they killed him. Because within the first line, he's already said two offense. Do you think they were muttering then? They're like, and they're looking over at these guys going, I bet there's a few of them in there. Jesus is going to talk to them. Good, he's going to get them. Because this guy just said straight in the first line of this parable, he says to the father, wish you were dead and let me blow God's blessing on our people. Give me all of it. Notice he divides the property between them, though. So they both do get the inheritance. So they both do get the inheritance. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and then squandered his wealth in wild living. Lots of commentaries have explanations in wild living, but we live on the Gold Coast. Just let your imagination go there and you're probably right. It's wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the, that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Okay, gets more offensive. The sinners, <laughs> this sinner, is um, now just put himself almost in slavery again. What's the big narrative for these people? Jesus took them out of slavery. They've already got the Roman government hovering above them. So he goes and works for a foreign guy, with, blows the money that God gave him, works for a foreign guy, tells his dad he wishes he was dead, and then the most disgusting animal, not like cats in our society, the most disgusting animal. Uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just allergic to cats, so I'm biased. Um, in that, it was pigs. You can't eat it, you can't go near them. 
and he's feeding them. And I don't know if I read that, but he's, if I haven't, um, he, long, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So I'm going to use my imagination and say he's still slipping some pods, but he's eating the pig food and he's feeding pigs in mud. These guys are disgusted. They are more than muttering now. They're just, I don't know what the equivalent is. They're causing a bit of a riot. They're shouting. At the same time, they're looking over here and going, see, this is why. Get them, Jesus. This is why you guys are just, this is what you've done. You've taken our stuff. You've dishonored God's name. And they're just, they're, um, they're disgusted. But at the same time, they're feeling pretty good about themselves because they're not these guys. Get them, Jesus. They're probably saying, get them. When he came to his senses, the sinner, the younger son, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Again, a character trait of God is that he's just generous. This tells us a bit about God. There is a third person here, the father. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. On the hill, sees the sinner's son come home. And filled for compassion again the father's heart, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Jewish men don't run. They don't feed pigs and they definitely do not run. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is starting to flip this. Where these guys were feeling great, the church leaders... They're feeling great about themselves. They're not feeding pigs. Look at the sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors. You name it in that crowd. And they suddenly hear the father, who they would have switched on straight away, the father is God, starts running. Now they're like, I wonder if this is the point to go, let's kill this guy. <laughs> I don't know when that exact moment came in. Pretty sure it was statements like this that the Pharisees go, hang on. This, may not, this story may not work out how we thought it was going to work out because now we're seeing God run towards him, puts his arms around him and takes him in. The penny drops for the Pharisees as they realise, uh-oh, Jesus is actually challenging us. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Note there is repentance this isn't a story about the sinners going, you can just keep doing what you want. There's a recognize, uh, they're recognising the sin in their own life. Like Jono hitting the kid, that moment it hits, he recognised, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> That's what it's saying. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. He makes him his son again, or tells him, acknowledges, makes sure he knows he's sung by that ring. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, Bessie, and kill it. It isn't named here. We're naming it Bessie. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found, so they begin to celebrate. How good is that picture? Shows the father's heart. Welcome him in. 
like it never happened almost. And not only that, start celebrating. No, I told you so. No, remember when you said, I wish I was dead? That wasn't fun. None of that. You're welcome back home. So the sinners are rejoicing. The sinners are starting to not martyr. They're like, this is good for us. Because chances are they're a prostitute or a tax collector. They're not sitting there going, life's good for me. Under the Roman government, under everything that's happening, they're not going, oh, I'm so glad I ended up down this career path. <laughs> they're going, thank you. I can, this man's telling us we can come home. This man means if I'm paralysed, that it wasn't God who did it to me because of my parents' sin. Is this guy actually saying that that's just how life is because it's broken and I'm allowed home? Probably tears, there's healing starting to happen here. These guys are thinking something else. And, and Jesus cheekily tells them exactly what they're thinking. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house and he heard music and dancing. Music and dancing. So he called out to one of the servants and asked, what's going on? I wonder if he thought, oh, dad's planned something for me. I've been working pretty hard. I don't know as he approaches. But he wrote out speculation. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed Bessie, the fattened calf, because he, was, um, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So he has a sulk outside. So his father went out and pleaded with him. This shows the fathers how often we think Jesus is against the Pharisees. He's just harder on them because they should know better. He loves them. They're the reason we still have the Bible, at least the Old Testament. They were trying. He's just harder on them because they should know better. He doesn't hate them. He, the father loves them too. He comes out and pleads with them. He answers his father, look at all these years I've been slaving for you. And we already know from the, what we hear from the father, no one's slaving under this guy. So he's exaggerating. He's having a sulk. <laughs> I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat <laughs> so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf Bessie for him. My, I'm not getting a laugh out of the Bessie, but I'm going to keep riding on that one until someone laughs. He squandered your property with prostitutes. Come home. You've killed the fattened calf Bessie. Yeah, very good. My, my, um, for him, my son, the father said, you were always with me and everything I have is yours. For those listening to this, for those that wanted to hear, for us this morning, we want to hear as disciples, as apprentices to Jesus. Something can be learnt from God's mouth. Firstly, a couple of things, just a couple of things that I was challenged with as I read this passage afresh. Number one, the Father, God, is more radically, crazily in our minds, not in his, more extreme and more beautifully hospitable and loving than we could imagine. We think he's this loving. Jesus keeps proving he's this loving. We think he's this inclusive. Jesus keeps proving he's this inclusive. We think you can tell the father he's dead, squander the property that's given from God, slave ourselves to someone else and eat pods with pigs, everything, and then 
He'll run towards us. The Father God is more radically, crazily, more extreme and more beautifully hospitable and loving than we could imagine. He wants the sinners back. He loves you and he loves the lost. And he will do anything to drag them back to the family table. God wants you back at the table, no matter what you've done. You don't deserve a seat. We None of us do. But there's one for you. Number two, challenge and encouragement. The Father God, well, this kind of flows into what he just said. The God, Father God wants you to come home. He wants all the lost to come home. And then thirdly, probably the challenge for us this morning, to be truly hospitable and to be truly welcoming as a church. If this is where we want to reach and stretch to as a church, to truly welcome the younger brothers and sisters, to truly go after the lost, it's going to cost. Kind of more hospitality equals more sacrifice. I'll put it brutally this way, Bessie is getting slaughtered. And you might, that's a bit harsh. Well, that, I'm only using Jesus' analogies. The fattened calf, the breaking of the bread... He's totally comfortable with talking about the agony and pain and splitting and breaking and slaughtering in order to bring more in to the table. He's comfortable with it. I'm slightly comfortable with it, but it's God's word, so we'll go with that. Bessie is getting slaughtered. More hospitality will equal more sacrifice. So question, to turn this around to our, and our series and our situation within hospitality... To bring the word of God and teaching of Jesus into our lives. To not just know this story, but for this story to affect Monday morning. Who are we in the story? Who are we likely in the story? You can call out on this one. Who are we in the story? Sorry? The sinners? The younger brother? James? We've got some older brother. Perfect, that's how I wanted you guys to answer. Um, Because I think we're both. I think we have our days. I think some days, we just want to know we're okay. I think some days, we just want to know God loves us no matter our faults. And we come to him, repent and remember that everything he has is ours and he wants us there. But in terms of generalisation, in terms of burly heads... The ones meeting in a church this morning, while the rest of, besides other churches, in our community, for those in Stocklands or wherever they are, we, we are the religious. We are the older sons and daughters. Outside is, I think to date, 569,000 people on the coast, plus tourists. Um, we are the largest non-capital city in Australia. So that's a lot of potential lost out there. So compared to them, we are pretty much the older son. We are the older ones. No matter, I'm not, this is not an age thing. We're the religious. That's a lot of hospitality needed. <laughs> so that's a lot of sacrifice. If we want to stretch, if we want to stretch, that's a lot of sacrifice. So the question is, who in this story? But the next question is, 
what sacred cows in your life, what Bessies have to be slaughtered for the lost? What sacred cows in your life have to be slaughtered for the lost? If you're part of, we did this in our vision series, we said we don't attend church anymore at this church. We are the church. So if you're here and you're committed, you're allowed to visit. If you're committed to this church and you want to stretch to see this vision, not my vision, God's vision, of a radically inclusive, crazily extreme, beautiful family table that keeps bringing more tables and more people in, what sacred cows in our life has to be slaughtered for the lost? Now, at this point, I stopped in the sermon and got, I don't know what to do. When I was writing this, I honestly wrestled as I thought, do I instruct? Do I tell you what I think the sacred cows are? I, I, what's my role as a church leader to articulate at this point? I didn't want to create law. Um, I don't want to make commandments because Jesus rarely commanded, actually. Rarely. He did command, but he rarely commanded. He mostly asked questions. He invited us. And so, rather, I'm just going to ask some questions of us this morning if we're taking notes, some pointed questions to ask us around this picture of what we as an individual, as a church, could slaughter to see the lost. When life gets busy, when it's out of balance, which is first to go? In our homes, in our lives, which is first to go? When we're at the end of a busy week, do we think we need to work less? We need to cut hobbies, leisure, our fitness out, or we need to spend less time with the family? Or is it gathering of God's people? Or is it the dinner, coffee, slash lunch we thought we should have had with that person two months ago? For me, it's the dinner, coffee, lunch I should have had with that person two months ago. And I ask myself, why does that go? Why does that go? Why is that the sacrifice we make? I hear lots of people say, I've got to spend more time with my family, and so I won't be able to do that this week. That, that's, I can appreciate that, and I want people in my life saying that to me constantly. Go spend more time with your family. But it's funny, oh, but, but then you'll, I don't know, we don't have any kite surfers here. Kite surf every single afternoon, um, but we'll cut. I need to cut the coffee out with that person. Does that make sense? Just in your own life, why does that go? Why is that the sacrifice you make? Again, not to make to feel guilt, hopefully to help us stretch. And I'm preaching to myself this morning. When we're stirred to give to the church, to the work of the kingdom, uh, the building, the table expanding, and there's multiple ways. You can give to this church, you can give to uh, mission organisations. This is not a, just a ploy for this church. Many ways you can see the kingdom expanded. Seeing the good news uh, be freed out to, and freeing people, the collective Burley, seeing the good news free people in, in our city. Do we give something that costs? Does it sting a little bit? Does it require a sacrifice? If you're a trillionaire, a million dollars may not actually sting. If you have five dollars this week and you left in your account, a dollar might sting. 50 cents might sting. doesn't matter the amount. Does your giving, tithing, serving, does it sting a little? Because that's what it means to stretch. 
Does it sting? Or is it easily within your means and budget? When we budget this year, when we do our shopping, do we budget for the people that are going to drop into our house that week? Do we budget for the people that are going to drop into our church house this week? Because they do when they come get fed. We now have a way, John spoke about the other week, of giving, bringing in some food for those less fortunate in our community. We won't accidentally do that. Oh, accidentally some cereal fell into my trolley this week. I'll go drop it down to the church accidentally. It will have to be budgeted and intentional and require planning and sacrifice. Do we budget those coffees that we're going to buy for all the people that we run into? Do we budget the coffees that we're going to come and buy our pasta? I wish I could say pastor so it didn't sound so... A pastor and intern. No, do you budget the coffees? Do you budget that? Um, just a, just a question. It's not a, not a... Again, not a judgment. Just a challenge as we look at being radically hospitable. When we're catching up with people, and it has to be quick. I'm so bad at this. It has to be quick because it's a busy day. What, what's so busy? Oh, could, I, I, can I just quickly chat to you? Five minutes? Yeah, I've got to go. Got to go. Run off. Why is time with someone cancelled rather than the thing you're running to cancelled? Yeah. As a community, what's important to us? That we have a church that is a certain size, shape and style we like? Or that people are being included, coming to meet Jesus and lost to being saved? And before you answer that, ask yourself, what was important to Jesus? I spoke to a man a couple of weeks ago. I don't, uh, it does, it, he's okay. He went to another church. not here. Don't worry about it. I'm not talking about an individual here. And he said, I can't stand the music at my church. And I said, oh, is the Bible teached there? Yeah, yeah, the Bible's teached. Are people being saved? Yeah, well, we have around 2,000 people coming to our church. Okay, and are they worshipping Jesus wholeheartedly? I think so. I think the motive's good. I just the music, you wouldn't believe it's horrible there. I just stu- stared at him for a second. There were 2,000 people. People are getting saved and the gospel's being preached. Seriously, who cares? <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. He was just focused on this one thing. Bessie, for him, had to be slaughtered before he realised, that's phenomenal. Imagine if before we prayed to God about what we would like this week, we prayed to God to empty of us of what we don't need in order to do his will. Imagine asking God to give us less good things to do so we can do more God things. Imagine asking God to be less, uh, for us to be less important so we can spend more time with other less important people. I'm conscious of the time, by the way. We're probably not going to have a last song because I just want to finish on a story today. Is that all right, crew? I still love yous. Happy birthday, Kirst. But we're just going to... Um, I've got one more story I really want to share. Imagine Sunday morning being a time of flexibility, love and refreshment as we dragged all the lost in that we'd met that week to worship God. Imagine our weeks filled with light. Imagine many new people, so many new people that we run out of communion. We have the communion fiasco every week. So many new people serving that they never know how to hand out communion properly. Because we've just got that many people serving. Imagine. And imagine if Jesus gave us an example that was tangible. Imagine if there was a third brother 
Speculation here. Imagine the third brother said, rather than staying right here in the comfortable father's house, I'm going to go across the hills. I'm going to go across into the big smoke, into the mess where the prostitutes and tax collectors and society, where the pigs are, where the mud is, and I'm going to lift my brother out. I'm going to give him my inheritance, share that as well, and say, come home. You should see how badly the father misses you. And I carried him. I got him on my back, picked him up. If he's still owned by that other guy, paid the debt off, freed him, and brought him across the country where my father was already running to me to meet him. Imagine if that was the story. Wouldn't it be great if God could just give us one example of that story in the Bible? Something that we could remember weekly to know the Father's heart. Because of Jesus, the other brother, the other father's son, we do. We can be challenged by this. We can find strength, courage, power and love. Not because we find comfort in Bessie and the things of this earth. But because we find our place, our rest in Jesus. He is our home. Christ is our home. Our Heavenly Father who has more than enough, who looks at us across the table and says, relax, you can give this a shot, you can be sacrificial because everything I have is yours and I'm always with you and you're always with me. No matter what you're going through, I'm enough and I love you. Imagine from that point we could take the table to people.